Welcome to the Stewardship Project. I'm Sean Salitro. I'm Andrew Mitchell. If you've ever been challenged with the idea that stewardship goes beyond finances and time, then you're in the right place. And we will be your guides. Welcome to the Stewardship Project and the Afterthoughts conversation uh, stemming from our conservation conversation, I guess we could call it. We could also call it our Stewarding Your Environment conversation with Dr. Grant Woods, uh, where Dr. Woods himself is mainly uh, centered on deer conservation, wildlife management, and all that kind of thing, but he had so much to say about so many other things and we truly got a huge taste of his vast knowledge and experience in these topics and why he has a PhD in them. So, um, Andrew, if you wouldn't mind starting us off a little bit about maybe some of the things that you pulled from this uh, and and one of the, I guess, some of the joy that we got from being able to speak with Grant Woods himself. Yeah, definitely. Grant is such a storyteller. I mean, that that's how I got exposed to Grant as, I think, a kid. My dad was always watching his stuff, and he does a really good job putting a story together and, and talking through a hunt or how to do land management. And so we definitely saw that come through in uh, our conversation with him as, you know, every time we would ask a question, he had a, a great story to tell. And yeah. I think it's really interesting to see, you know, he, he can kind of connect the dots as somebody who's older of what got him into land management, what were the things that kind of pointed him in the right directions. And I remember him telling those stories about the couple deer that he saw as a kid. He had, you know, he had never seen deer before. And then he saw two of them within a, you know, a few years of each other. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just so interesting how some of those things happen. Um, I think one of the things that stuck out to me as we were getting into the conversation with Grant and he was sharing his backstory was, uh, he talked about going to Nevada and working with the uh, Department of Natural Resources there and doing some, some some different work and things like that on the the huge amount of public land that they have there. And that was really how he views that he got started in this line of work and how he got exposed to you know what is stewardship and and taking care of our environment really look like. And it was from a couple guys, really pouring into him, teaching him what they knew and allowing him to practice those things. And so in listening to that, that one of the things that came to mind for me is, is thinking about second Timothy two in the new Testament, where Paul is kind of having that same conversation with Timothy, where he's saying, you know, I've imparted these things to you and, and you've latched onto them. Now take these things and teach them to faithful men who will then take and teach it to others. And it's, it's one of the things that we've hit on in the past. And we talked to Claire de Graff about mentoring in the past. Um, it's a great model to look at as far as, you know, orienting our lives in a Christ focused way so that we can teach that to others. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the other things that came along with that in our conversation with Grant was really talking about the idea that there's not a ton of practitioners, even within the farming mm. community when mm -hmm. it comes to environmental stuff. And I think, I think part of our job as whatever line of work that we do is being really good practitioners of this idea of stewardship and turning around and passing that on to the next generation and 
really thinking about how do we do that well and, and, and really leave an impact for the other folks that, that are stepping into those ideas. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you could, you could probably look at it. There's so many different fields where more and more often people are graduating with a degree in a particular field or getting graduate work and finishing out in, a, in another field. And they're going, like he said, behind a desk or they're going, yeah. you know, and, and working from home or, or whatever. And less and less are we seeing people getting that hands-on experience that is necessary for some fields. So yeah. for him to say that about farming and, and agriculture is, is was really eye-opening to me is I didn't even think about that. I thought the necessity was that when you get that degree, you graduate, you, you go out in the field and you have to because that's where the work is. But a lot of times, I guess, you know, obviously from what he's saying is that it, people are choosing to remain behind a desk, writing, teaching, doing something, which sure, there's yeah. value in those things. But I, I guess from his standpoint is saying that those things have to be coupled with still, so to speak, getting your hands dirty and getting down in, in the dirt and doing those things and seeing how they're practiced out. Even if you come to a philosophy on something in agriculture, seeing how it plays out in the field for real. Yeah. Um, and not only doing that yourself, but like you said, but taking students and those who are seeking to learn about it out there too, mm-hmm. not just keep it, keeping it in the classroom or keeping it uh, as, as an article that's written about it, but really showing how it's done for real. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think the other aspect that he was talking about with specifically within agriculture is I, I think it really leads to this idea of being able to think critically before we started hitting record, Sean and I were talking about movies and our kids and things like that. And, and part of that conversation is really teaching our kids when we're engaging with, um, for lack of a better term, when we're engaging with the world, when we're engaging with like secular entertainment or anything like that, we really need to teach our kids, how do I think about this critically and how do I not let this um, taint you know, my Christian worldview that I have. And he kind of talked about that same perspective um, in, in the agriculture space. He talked about the fact that, um, you know, agricultural sales is, you know, it's it's a position that pays a lot of money. And because of that, it often dictates how farmers do their planting and how they run their farms. And he was talking from the the perspective of um, using herbicides, which are like roundups or things like that, and how that Mm -hmm. can actually be really bad for the soil. It can be really bad for our environment altogether. And in one of the things he clarified is, you know, he's not anti, but he doesn't want a root canal. Um, but what he's really talking about in that idea is a lot of times you get presented with the ideas that have the most money behind them. You know, it's the things that are shown on the news. It's, it's the things that people are making money off of that are, are really right. being pushed out there. And what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to think critically about those things and actually make a decision to say, like, is this actually good for in this situation, the environment, or is it, you know, whatever area of life that is being able to think about that, having community to go to and to, to think about those things with that community. You know, I think those are all really important aspects and just kind of a a tangential, um, idea that came out of this environment conversation with, uh, Dr. Woods. Yeah, for sure. And I think the importance too, of recognizing that if you don't know something, uh, whether it's about the environment or the or the plot of land that you have, if you have one, or the area that you have, 
there are resources like Grant Woods out there who are willing to to mentor or educate or show that like you don't need to rely on these things that are being mainstreamed and pushed out there like just because they're the things that are pushed doesn't mean it's the most beneficial for correct for your for your land for the wildlife around you for your family for the the environment overall you know and and the air you know yeah um we're seeing things like right now in the news you know the the canadian wildfires how it's you know polluting different things in the air and now people are paying attention because they can see the smoke in the air but you know nobody thinks about when you use things like pesticides and herbicides like how is that affecting the things that you can't even see um, yeah. that eventually kill future crops or the soil or you know cause things like weeds and stuff to prosper that you think you're you're killing but eventually those things are going to those are going to kill the things that have to be planted in the future and then it's not just your generation that it's affecting but it's going to be if you if you have kids or somebody else's kids it's going to be the the children who have to figure out you know cleaning up that mess yeah um, definitely. so there are there are better ways to to go about it and some of those ways there are people that know you know and, and people mm -hmm. like grant so yeah a lot of i feel like a lot of what he said even as we got further into the conversation about practicality and doing those things at home or you know in the places that you know i don't have a whole lot of land i'm not a farmer how can i get those things done like a lot of the stuff that he said really was eye-opening yeah yeah definitely i'm curious you bring up practicality i'm curious was there anything from a practical standpoint that either stood out to you or is something that you want to try or something to teach your kids or anything like that so we've never we've in the houses that we've had before we've never had a garden and we've wanted to for a while and it's either we haven't had the space or just it you know we obviously you know we've never lived anywhere long enough to be able to, <laughs> to put down those kind of roots and and do that um but we do now and so it's something that we really want to build so we have a we have a deck out back that's it's a good sized deck but right now it's just it's covering too much of our lawn and we want to cultivate you know a healthy lawn and um you know, a well-grown area where we can have a garden actually planted. So um, we're going to be tearing down a deck here this summer and um, putting in a big garden. So That's great. we're looking forward to doing that and, you know, uh, for our two boys to be able to have something for them to practically get their hands dirty with and to see things grow and watch the benefits of that and be able to reap from that as well. So yeah. gardening is something we're going to be getting into and, and not just in a tiny potted plant way. Um, although yeah. that's, that is good and beneficial. We're looking forward to getting into that in a, in a larger way too. So that's something that we're going to be doing. Um, how about you guys? Is there anything that, that you pulled from that that you feel you want to really glean and, and kind of put into practice? Yeah, I, th I think one of the things that I've <clears throat> potentially more from like the wrestling side of things, um, he he talked about how our our typical lawns are one variation of grass and how that's actually not a, a super healthy environment. It's just, it's mm -hmm. one thing, there's nothing else there. And so, and, and so he, you know, he, he talked about, you know, there's a reason that dandelions are a thing, or there's a reason that right. there's these other right. types of, you know, weeds and things that we would consider that are growing in our yards and things like that. And so I think I've been trying to think through like, okay, so how does that play out? Cause I don't, I mean, we don't live in like a super nice, you know, everybody has manicured lawns or anything like that. And sure. We're the one with the, the trashy lawn. So it's not, it's not that perspective, but it is that idea of like, I mean, a nice lawn doesn't have all that stuff in it, you know, from, 
from kind of our, our cultural perspective. Sure. And so, nice so what does that look one. like? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and so, you know, that, that, that's one thing that I've been thinking through. I think the other thing that we've, we've often done is we've done garden boxes before as well. Um, and, and we've, we've talked about different ways of doing that and trying to do that well in a way that's going to be sustainable. So, you know, we've, we've largely stopped using, roundups or things like that from a perspective of like we just want to ingest that stuff anyways but um we talked briefly with um grant about his buffalo i forget what he the the whole name of it but it's this buffalo idea as far as you know when the when the buffalo were on the great plains they matted down all the grass and the grass died and it actually protected the the dirt and so it made areas where there's a ton of topsoil and thus there's a ton of farming in the Midwest is because it's just a ton of, you know, really good ground. So he has this idea that you can take and do that for yourself where you, you know, you plant different types of grasses, fold it over on top of stuff, plant other seeds in that, and you can have really healthy soil. So we've, we've talked about actually doing that in the past with just our home garden, as far as, you know, in the summer we can plant, you know, our normal tomatoes, peppers, raspberries whatever we want to plant in it but then for the winter you plant a grass in it let it grow and kind of be protected for the winter instead of just being bare and then mat that all down in the summer plant your other crops that you want to plant and so we, we've talked about that i think it'd be a fun idea or a fun thing to kind of work through and try that yeah yeah so so at this point we're still in the the process of moving our garden from where it was at in our yard so it'll, it'll have to be something that's in the future um one of the exciting things to me about having a garden or doing some of this type of stuff is doing it with my daughter. So she's almost two. I mean, she'll be two in a week and she, she, she loves being outside for one, but now we have a huge raspberry bush in our front yard and every day she wants to go pick raspberries off of it. And she is just, you know, floored if we can go out there, pick a few raspberries and she gets to eat them. Like she mm-hmm. loves that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loves, you know, weeding, which is not my, <laughs> is not the thing I love, <laughs> but she loves, you know, going through and picking all the weeds out that we need to. Hey, more power to her. Let exactly. Her so, I mean, it, it, it's definitely one of those things of like, it's a really great way to impart to the next generation a lot of ideas as far as like, this is how we actually cultivate and make something grow. Um, and, and, you know, as she gets older, that might be something that we can, you know, break out into other conversations about, you know, sure. we're cu- cultivating things here in the garden. It may seem easy, but how do we cultivate things in our own lives? How do we, how do we make sure that we're in a, in a situation where we're, you know, getting weeds out and, and making it so that we can grow in the way that we need to. Um, so there's just, there's so many things that, you know, we can learn and take away from that. And I think, I think that was one of the things that Grant touched on as well was, you know, giving our, our kids and our young people responsibility so that they can learn and they can, they can be in an environment that is going to teach them, you know, sometimes life takes hard work. Sometimes there's hard things that we have to do and it's easy to teach in, like a gardening or in an environmental type of way, because it's easy to see and we can very easily apply different, you know, theories and ideas and whatnot like that. But I think those things can help transfer to our kids. You know, there, there's bigger ideas or there's other areas that you're really going to want to touch on, um, that are going to, 
you know, have much more impact on how your life goes. Um, and just using these ideas to really apply that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, early in the conversation, that was one of the first things I asked him that I thought I was going to get some great, like philosophical <laughs> question out of it or get some like Ron Swanson wisdom out of it. But it was like, you know, I said, what, what did your parents really teach you? And like, right. give me some, give me, <laughs> lay, lay down some words of wisdom here. And he was like, Oh, my, my parents, you know, stewardship, you know, of the environment and, and cultivating those things was something that was, it was practiced, not preached. Right. And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, there it is. There's that wisdom right there. Like you, yep. you still gave it, but it wasn't, you know, a, a phrase or a saying, but something that's so great that I feel like just be, just because like we in our generation, we don't know a whole lot about it. Yeah. You know, it's not something that, we ever had to worry about for the most part so it's not always something that we know how to teach but that's you know that's not exactly something that's an excuse to to not do it ourselves in our processes of learning you know however we choose to about um stewarding the environment or stewarding you know the little area that you have to be able to use we can teach by doing it ourselves too Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of wisdom to be shared in that and so yeah, whether it's whether it's you know planting a garden, cultivating those things, how you use, utilize your lawn, you know, and and taking care of that because I mean you're so right. Like it's so interesting how we've gotten into that as a culture uh, and society over time of like this is the nice lawn, this is a really poor lawn, yeah, you know, and we've assigned you know almost like class status to lawn. It's <laughs> it is it is really sad. Like when you think about it, and you hear somebody who actually knows about these things, they're like that's actually not i that's not accurate right. you know and and well i was taught that it was but okay you just rocked my world a little bit you told me that dandelions are actually a good thing when i was told to pluck those things <laughs> and blow them away you know and like no they actually there's actually healthy things happening when those yeah. things are present and i you know you drive by some people's lawns and they're just they're growing a field of dandelions and you're like mm-hmm. what the what's going on there um and you automatically your brain goes because it's been trained to think is that's that is unhealthy right there that is because yep. i was told that dandelions are weeds and all weeds are bad so get that stuff out you know we gotta call you know true green and get him over there to that guy's lawn <laughs> like do something you know but that's that's not always the answer is calling yeah. a professional service to come and spray stuff on your lawn you know just to get the weeds out and to make sure that it looks the greenest it can possibly look like you know heaven yeah. forbid msu green you know, like you don't want that. You yep. want a healthy lawn, and sometimes that means different than what we've been sold and told. Right. Yeah, definitely. But but anyway, so I mean, like taking from Grant's conversation, then I guess that's one of the things. I mean, I honestly don't exactly know one hundred percent without talking to him again, which I'll just talk to him again sometime, I guess. But uh, about how exactly to apply that to like, okay, mm. if I live in a neighborhood or a subdivision or in a city and I do have some of a lawn, you know, whether it's a quarter acre or less or whatever you have, how do I look at that and say, okay, that what's present here is healthy. This is Mm -hmm. actually good. It might not look, you know, like the deepest shade of forest green or whatever, but it's still a healthy lawn. Like, how do I look at that and say that that's good? This is, this is good. And here's what I can do to not overdo it on the lawn. You know, maybe it doesn't need to be mowed every week. Maybe I do need to let some of these things kind of flourish and grow and then just kind of like keep it trimmed. I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. but, you know, a lot of times we're taught like, nope, once a week, that's when you mow because if it gets too long, then you're going to get a call from your HOA. Like, man, why does my HOA have to set how I, you know, 
cultivate this lawn. But I've learned things from just talking to neighbors too. Like, I think that's always a good resource is like Mm -hmm. when you move into a neighborhood and you don't exactly know like, okay, what the grass here, like, what does it need? I've seen people who do have, you know, the, the fertilization services come and they spray and they do it once a month or once a week or whatever, sometimes in the season. And they've got a sprinkler system and they've Mm -hmm. got all these things set up in order to make theirs lusher you know and greener and different than the other lawns around them but i've also seen guys who just like they're carefully taking care of the lawn the grass itself they're not trying to like get it to like be green and lush but they're just like i'm I'm doing what it needs and i talked to a guy across the street and he had this whole different practicality and philosophy to it that i've never heard somebody say like yeah i'm just letting it grow um because if you look here and and you point out different things like these things are actually coming up and seeding and if mm-hmm. I let them grow long enough and then I just kind of like cut off the tops and let it sit in the lawn, like it's going to allow the rest of the lawn to do what it needs to do. And these are little seedlings that are doing this. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I was I was never shown that or taught that. I would have looked yeah. at his lawn, honestly, like if, if I was just thinking how I've been told or, you know, trained to. I would have looked at him and like, that guy needs to cut now. Like that's getting <laughs> too long. And that's, yep. you know, but you know he knew what he was doing so there's wisdom to be shared out there and so definitely i guess a good thing to get out and talk to your neighbors if they look like they know what they're doing yeah well i think it's so interesting how cultural some of those things are like obviously we don't often realize in our own settings you know the the how much the culture influences us but for example my my wife has some family that's from australia and you know they'll come and visit and you know Sometimes things happen, sometimes things don't. But we went to a greenhouse with them and Brooke was getting some flowers and she picked out her her favorite flower is a lantana. Well, she picked it out and got home and her aunt from Australia looks at it and goes, is that a lantana? And she goes, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, we consider those weeds in Australia. And like we were planting them in flower pots around our house. Like, oh no, those are weeds where we're at. And it's just interesting because a a different place, they view plants differently. And so there's a Mm -hmm. certain aspect of, yeah, we've, we've been raised a certain way. And so we've, we've done things that way. I think another interesting kind of personal cultural story is, um, some of the folks that my wife works with, they've done seasons where they won't mow their backyard so they'll just let it grow and the Mm. reasoning for it was because i mean it seems like there's a ton of information out there about honeybees and how they're you know the numbers are suffering and all of this and that and i i don't know enough to to speak uh, accurately on it but that was that was part of their reasoning for that was that if you let your your yard just grow there's a lot of benefit to honeybees and them being able to come and pollinate different things that you would normally just end up cutting off. And mm-hmm. so I, I thought that was really interesting from a standpoint of, you know, let's look at this, not just as like, what do I want my lawn to look like, but look sure. at it from a perspective of, you know, there's other benefits to this. And so, yeah, sure. I'm not going to let the front yard, you know, look crazy and ridiculous, but I'll leave my backyard that, you know, everybody doesn't have to look at it if I don't want to, um, yeah, just, just an interesting thing. Again, culturally kind of speaking into some of those things or, or seeing people respond, um, in different ways based on kind of what's going on. Yeah. I think, I think again, from a, from a practical side too, one thing that anybody can really take away from this is if you are 
any kind of a homeowner, you know, whether you outright own a home, whether you have a mortgage or whether you're renting even, I guess, and you have, you have land, you know, it's a small plot of grass or whatever. Um, we, like you said, as a, as a culture, we tend to lean towards the aesthetic of it mm-hmm. rather than the health of it, you know, and if, and if we are truly called, which we are to steward all the things that we have been given, that includes the, the place where we live, you know, whether yeah. it's down to the physical home and the walls you live within or what's outside of it. And a lot of times we focus on the aesthetic rather than the health, the actual health and the things that we're doing for it. And I, I think if we took our minds off of this needs to look good for whatever reason, you know, whether it's we've been trained to or whether we think that there's this expectation that it has to look good. I mean, if you look around at like commercial businesses, you know, they've got constant landscaping happening and they've mm-hmm. got, you know, again, like fertilizers and things going down to make it look green so that when you come into their business, it looks good and professional. And yeah. we've determined that as a society that that's a good and desirable thing. But what we truly have to do is, again, like you said, going back to, to films and things, is to think critically about this stuff. Just because we're shown and told that it has to be done a certain way yeah. in order to be pleasing and, and look good so that it is attractive isn't exactly the best mode of stewardship. Yeah, it, it is truly about health and how these things, how your small area to take care of is also affecting the greater thing as well. You yeah. know, because if you spray something on your lawn, you could be affecting your neighbor's lawn. And if you spray something in your lawn, you could be affecting, you know, the, the piece of woods that's behind you or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and, and then there's wildlife back there who could be affected by that or things that need to be growing in order to give them things to eat or bees to pollinate or whatever. And um, there's there's other better ways, more ways that take a little bit more work you know, and allow you to have to learn, but there's better ways to do these things than the things that we assume that we know about. Yeah. Um, so I, I, my hope is that people were encouraged to do that, to educate themselves, to learn and to see like, there are people like Grant out there who they've got the know-how, they've done the work, they've got the knowledge, they've got the years of experience and, and they know the real things, the real ways to, to read that data and say like, this is what needs to happen now. Yeah. in order to make this something that we truly are taking care of, not just passively saying like, I'm just making sure it, it looks like a painting, but that it's, right. it's being cared for, you know? Yeah, I, I think because you mentioned data, it reminded me, uh, Grant used a saying that we use around our office all the time, and God, I trust everyone else must bring data. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crucial. <laughs> yeah. Show me where you got that. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you do have to kind of, you do have to be a show me person, so right <laughs> um, on those things. But but yep. I mean, what is that verse we always quote in, in Psalms? Is the earth is the Lord's and the fullness mm-hmm. thereof. But I mean, the earth, the yep. earth is the Lord's. You know, it's not, it's not ours. It is definitely not ours. There is no possible way I could have caused any of this, and and so if I have it, and you know. Whoever I bought this from chose to say that this is the amount of acreage that I have to take care of, then I have to take care of it yep. um, and not be mindless about it or negligent and not overthink it to the point that it has to be stewarded for any kind of worldly gain, but yeah. simply to, to steward it for the Lord because it is his. Absolutely. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of your stewardship journey. Share your journey with us by connecting with us on Facebook or by emailing us at thestewardshippodcast at gmail.com. 
If this is your first time joining us, we'd love for you to check out our previous conversations. Be sure to tune in next week for another Stewardship Conversation.